it's time for customers who click. Collecting data is top of everyone's agenda right now, uh, whether it's capturing user feedback, generating leads, zero-party data, uh, forms are being used by every e-commerce business. So who better to join me on the podcast than Chad Reed, VP of Marketing at Jotform. We're going to be talking about what the key to a good form is, how to optimize them, and some out-of-the-box thinking ways you can use them. Hi, Chad. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just giving us a little bit of your background, You know what you've been up to, and how you've got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I've been at Jotform for the past eight years, and I'm presently the VP of Marketing and Communications. It's hard to re- remember what my background was before Jotform, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I was one of two original marketing hires on the marketing team at, at Jotform back in 2014. So I've really kind of seen the evolution, not only of the company, but of the marketing department and our efforts. Back in the early days, I, I was very tactical, I had my hands on all of our PR efforts, our, our blog writing, kind of setting up a lot of A to B marketing. And then fortunately, we've been able to hire people much smarter than myself to take on all these individual tasks as as the years have gone by. And yeah, very lucky to be where where I am. And Jotform has had a lot of momentum. We had a a major rebrand last year with a lot of of really exciting product launches. And we feel like we're in a really, really great spot. And I'm, I'm lucky to be at Jotform. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I know what it's like in a in a startup. I, I've been in that kind of do a bit of everything role and then try and hire the people who can specialize in you yeah. know, just focusing in, you know, Facebook ads or PPC or whatever. Totally. I mean, it was it was amazing immersive learning early on because there was no one else to do any of these things. And I wasn't I wouldn't claim to be a specialist in in any of the the things that I took on, but it was great to to have to learn it. And yeah, I'm super grateful for that. But you know, obviously, we we hire professionals that are are much better at AdWords or writing, even or those things. And it's it's been yeah, it's been been good. Spent a lot more time in meetings these days. Yeah. So I I, I think that's that's the, certainly the trade off. It's funny. I I can't I can't believe I this is true, but and I probably went a year without even using Google Calendar at work. Like I had so few meetings because really the job I had one weekly meeting with the CEO that was kind of a marketing check. And when I worked in a room with the other, you know, the few other marketers that are that run the team, we didn't really have to set aside meetings, but we just did not meet. And I can't, I can't imagine that now because that's, that's my entire day now. So anyway, that's just a little aside, but yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure if I had ever had it that light, but yeah, there's definitely times when kind of formally in the calendar, there wasn't a lot going on and you just kind of, uh, yeah, most of the time it was just have you got 20 minutes to chat about this at some point later today? And you look at the calendar and go, yeah, any, any time yeah. this afternoon. Right. <laughs> Dreamy. Yeah, the good old days. Awesome. So how do you keep customers clicking? You know, from, from Jotform standpoint, it's all about clarity. And I guess that that's transferable for, for anything, but particularly through the lens of creating a great form, you know, making making everything incredibly clear and visible and, you know, keeping including good instructions or a layout or kind of thinking about the form as a conversation and ultimately not not creating creating any unnecessary obstacles. But that's that's going to be true whether it's a form or a landing page or a checkout cart, you know, those same tenants apply. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, clarity is really key and I think a lot of the time marketers is- make the mistake of thinking something's really, really obvious. But actually when mm-hmm. you're when you think about it from the customer point of view, 
they are questioning why, you know, in the case of a form, you're asking for this piece of information. One Absolutely. that I see, it, it must be a Magento standard form thing or something, because I've seen it on a few, a few websites now. In the checkout, you've got phone number. And phone number mm. always seems to have this little info icon, which says something like, for order questions, or something mm. like that. And I'm thinking... I like the fact that you've got the little info icon there for phone number because I might want to know why. Well, why do you want my phone number for this? Oh my gosh! But then yeah. it's just it just doesn't answer that question. You know, for order questions, it's like, well, surely I need your phone number for that, right? <laughs> right? If I've got questions about it, you know, obviously what they mean is, you know, in, in case there's a problem, we can contact you about your order. But it's just not phrased properly. It's, honestly, it reads like a a non-native English-speaking engineer just mm. put that in as the default text and no one has ever thought to go back and actually put something good in place. But yeah, that's that's the example that I always, always think of when I'm, when I'm thinking about how to make forms. Yeah. I mean, that's concerning, right? It, especially now with the surge in spam calls, you know, just the, the thought of unnecessarily giving your, your phone number away when you're making a simple purchase is, yeah, certainly cause for some concern. And that needs to be spelled out very, very clearly. And not in an info icon, frankly. That should be in the subtext or, or somewhere where it's a lot more visible and you're not asking for, you know, your, your customers to have to search and find the reason why you're you're asking for a phone number, because I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, but I suppose it also, and this is me putting my CRO hat on, it raises questions, doesn't it? You know, if you say if the if that little icon says, so we can contact you about your order. Mm-hmm. I've ordered from hundreds of websites and have never had to be contacted. Right. Well, maybe not never, but incredibly rare that a company has to reach out to me before they ship my order to me. And it's barely ever that I actually give them my phone number in the first place. So right. potentially by asking for that phone number and saying so that we can contact you about your order, potentially give someone the the impression that it's it's likely that there's a problem. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So, yeah. in fact, another example that just popped into my head. In fact, I think it came up on the podcast. Someone was talking about printers, printers and paper. And they had some paper which said something like 99% jam free. Right. But then mm. suddenly that actually injects the idea into your head that this paper does jam. Well, yeah. <laughs> and actually, if there's for every 100 pieces of paper in there, it's going to jam once, which actually sounds like quite a lot. Right. Yeah, that's actually not very good. If an airline said 99% safety record, you you wouldn't hop on on hop on board a plane. I don't know. I guess you have to think about the context, but that's not very you, yeah, you think about a very the, high success rate. Like, yeah, you want like you want to have the number sounds that. great. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's like when you see you see case studies come out, right? And people go, "Oh, I get a a 40% conversion rate on my on my form, and it turns out it's four people out of 10." Right? <laughs> right. And you're like, "Well, yeah, okay, 40%. That's true. But your sample <laughs> size is so low that your 40% is kind of meaningless, really. Yeah. I and mean, when you yeah, you flip it the other way and you think 99% of uh, of planes don't crash. Well, actually that's that's like hundreds of flights a day, maybe, or at, at least a week that are crashing. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm, um, one trust course, that printer. Uh, yeah. So more on, on clarity. But what can you do 
what you do as a business to make sure your your forms are clear yeah what, what should you be doing what should you be thinking about yeah i think it's always good to be intentional and, and include instructions it's not something that very many forms do but i think regardless of the form type you know whether it's a feedback form or an order form or a donation form registration form whatever i think it it just a little extra step of including what you are hoping to get with the information why it's helpful why the person should be filling out the form even if it's just three sentences that you're including at the top as a bit of instruction it's not going to take up very much space or real estate but it, it resolves a lot of potential you know customer questions and makes it so that they're they're trusting what what you're doing with 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 the form and why you're asking the, the things that you're asking so yeah that's a big uh you know a big big piece of help that that i think a lot just a simple step that a lot of people can can do to you know massively improve their form yeah i think for me it always comes down to if i was filling out this form and i asked the question why do you need this information then then it needs an explanation right for sure and, and for for me the example is always checkouts checkout flows because that's what i it's the most common form that i deal with obviously everyone knows you need to provide a first name last name email address mm -hmm. right that's pretty standard you need to know who i am you've got to send me my receipt and you've got to send me my order arguably pretty much everything outside of that needs to be qualified right if you want my phone number why do you want my phone number so you can send the email receipt to my to my to my email i mean you, you don't get huge amounts one i hate is title but people don't you don't need to justify title just don't ask for it but yeah i, I guess other examples are you know gender gender mm -hmm. and date of birth right those are two two bits of data that you know whether it's a an email capture form you know for, for a newsletter or mm -hmm. within that checkout why why does the business need that information to process that order and if you can't answer that question you can't justify it it's going to be, you know, you, you're going to see that drop off, especially if you've made those compulsory fields Absolutely. or you're going to get, or you're going to get flawed data. Yeah. I think over asking is a huge common mistake that, that a lot of people are creating for, for their forms. And yeah, if, if you're thinking about the things that, you know, might be interesting to have or that you kind of want to have, but you don't need to have just exclude it because every time you're, you're adding an additional field or asking your you know, a different, an additional field for your customers, you're creating a, an additional step of friction or another obstacle, another reason that they're not going to be filling out your form. So especially the ones that you just mentioned are, are great examples. Unless you very specifically need that information, you likely don't unless you're, you know, a medical office or, or something like that, then yeah, don't ask it. It's just going to create a hurdle and give your, your customers a reason not to complete the purchase or complete the form. Yeah. I mean, in interestingly, I remember when I, I was running ads to a landing page, a car club, a bit like Zipcar, if you know Zipcar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on that landing page, initially we were capturing first name, email address, and that was it. People would submit that. They would go through to the sign up form where first name, email would be pre-filled and we'd just ask them to fill in the rest. I then introduced phone number and postcode on the landing page form. We actually saw conversions go up. Mm. Now, not entirely sure why, but my uh, my hypothesis is that people understood that we needed this data, right? It's not it's not a quick impulse purchase. They have to sign up for an account. They have to verify their details, right? They mm -hmm. have to go through a bit of an onboarding process. So people didn't really mind putting that information in. And actually, the landing page probably made it seem like 
almost like this was sign up. And so without that information, they were probably thinking, well, how can you possibly sign me up? There must be, there must be something else coming after this, which is something I've was talking to someone quite recently about this, actually. You know, in fact, it's form related. You know, if you're filling out a, a quotation form or something, actually, it normally comes, it's normally these quizzes and things mm. where a, a company will say, oh, you know, fill in this information and we'll send you your bespoke quote. And then all they ask you for is like first name, email, postcode. And mm. that's it. And like, you know, regardless of what you're, you're asking for, that can't be an accurate quote. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I can't provide an accurate quote for anything. So it's, it's uh, I can't remember what this this idea is called, but essentially, your the customer knows that this form is not not the whole thing, and that actually causes a decrease in conversion because you know if, if they're requ- requesting a quote, for example, they're thinking, well, you can't possibly give me a quote based on this form. Mm-hmm. So you know, m- maybe that means you're going to get me on. You know, try and call me. And put me through the whole like phone consultation sales process, and and I don't want that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I think that form length isn't necessarily the best decider of conversion rate. Of course, again, the same principle applies where you're not, you don't need to be asking things you you don't need to be asking. But but there is an understanding, and we've kind of even seen this throughout our users that some of the longer forms actually have a higher conversion rate, tend because they tend to be or drawing a different kind of customer or one with higher higher intent to fill, or you know if if the more detail is required, then they're they're not necessarily going to skip skip out on those. Um, but uh, yeah, and you're and you're exactly in your case, right? Like you wouldn't on a re- request a quote form or something like that. You you'd expect to have some better information in there, and you want as a customer to be able to fill out more information. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you know the app Noom and OOM? Yeah, I don't use it, but yeah. yeah. So th- they have a, you know, that onboarding process is pretty extensive. You've, you're probably answering 20 questions, mm. but the whole point of it is they give you a, like a bespoke plan at the end of it. So if they weren't answering you asking these questions, you know, again, if they just ask you, you know, height, age, weight, male, female, one or two other bits, you'd be thinking, well, mm. you, you can't give me a bespoke plan on that. You can only give me a, basically a male or female plan. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it'd be in- really interesting to speak to them, actually find out how that performs because it, it is a long, a long form. Yeah. Um, yeah. Detail. And I bet that works. Yeah. Just like you're saying, exceedingly well versus, you know, you're, by the time you finish out a 20 question or 20 plus question form, and you're probably actually more excited to, to use the product than had you filled out something much shorter. So, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it's a good point as well, because I, I think you, you feel as though you almost have completed that process and you're ready to get going. Whereas if you just submitted some really basic details, you probably are thinking, well, now someone's going to contact me. Now someone's going to, you know, ask me some more questions to get me to the point where it's done. Whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, if you, you fill out those 20 questions and you're thinking, cool, this is it. I'm ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. What else makes a good form? Like, are there any? Does design come into it at all? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think there's design. There's there's the flow or the structure. There's a great book out there. I mean, great book for for those who think it's great, I guess. But Caroline Jarrett wrote a kind of like the I don't know the Bible of forms called Forms That Work, and there are a couple of tenants in there that really carried over and, and I think you know it's maybe a 10 15 year old book at this point but the 
the ideas or the principles are very much the same. Well, one thing that you really focused on or, or mentioned was sort of the conversation or or the flow of or the structure, I guess, of your of your questions. And if you're just putting in form fields as they come to your minds and and not thinking about the order in which they're presented on the form, you know, which I'm I'm been guilty of before too, when you're just spitballing, you know, you have a blank form in front of you, you're just thinking about the things that you need. But it's better to revisit that and think about where things are grouped or kind of how, you know, maybe your basic information is at the top, maybe the more personal information is at the bottom. If it's pertaining to certain aspects of of the form filling journey, you need to like clump those together. That's kind of a a design-ish question, I guess, but it's something to consider even if you're not creating something really intricate is just kind of how you're asking the questions and, and at what point during the form. But from a design perspective, absolutely. I think the simplest thing that anyone can do to make their form better is the submit button. If there's one thing from a, a simple like, you know, you've you've asked, you've answered all the question questions that or you know, you've asked all the questions that you're going to ask at the bottom of the form, there's a, a submit button. By default, it's going to say submit. Certainly when job form it's going to say submit because it's the most general or broad that that applies to every type of form. Before your type of form, you should think about something a little bit more personal or actionable that that's going to make sense for what you're doing, whether it's place my order or send feedback or um, something a little bit more specific and and kind of you know reinforces why you just answered all these questions as a as a form filler. So that's something that's not never going to take very much time, but it's going to yield results and and ultimately yeah just improve the from the improve the form filling experience for for your customers. So yeah, structure, design, submit button, all real real key things to making a quality form. Yeah, well, I, I suppose it comes down to the question of what happens next. Right. And if I click a button which says submit, I don't know what happens next. Right. I don't know whether I'm going to get, you know, what I've just filled it, filled the form in for, or whether it then gets pinged off to someone and, and I'll hear in a few days. But if that call to action says, you know, get your personalized plan or, or place order, for example, mm-hmm. it's very, very clear what you're going to get from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and again, that applies to every every type of form and whether it's a payment is involved or not. I think it's just a simple, simple thing to yeah, improve yeah. the performance a lot. Cool. There was one thing that you, you kind of touched on a little bit in your you had a previous a great episode previously. I'll 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 skip I'll choose to ignore the fact that you mentioned one of our great competitors and and one of their products. But video is also a great oh, uh, yeah. way to to make a better form, you know, and it's kind of goes back to the the instructions part. But you know, instead of writing instructions in, in your form, you can create a video. It's really engaging, and that's something that you can either embed as you know, certainly with Jot Form, you can embed as YouTube, or we have a, a partnership with Loom that makes that very easy. But there is kind of a human aspect to this, and I think if you can humanize yourself through video, if that's if that's something you're comfortable doing as a form creator, it, it can go a long way, you know. And imagine having that too on a checkout experience, or just sort of explaining you know, why you're asking the things that you're asking or like what, what are next steps or, you know, just one little way to show some, some additional gratitude to your customers, something like that. It's going to go a long way. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I've, I've been using video a little bit, kind of testing it, not necessarily for forms. In fact, I did try that app that I mentioned um, yeah, yeah. with with one guy and it didn't, it didn't really work well for him, but I think there were, in fact, I think he's pivoted now since since then because i think he realized that there were there were other problems 
but I'm I'm looking at video content for other things, kind of FAQs almost. Even like at the top of one thing I want to test at the top of category pages, just having Mm -hmm. a little video from someone at the business saying like, "Hi, I'm Will from Customers Who Click. These are these are three of my favorite, you know, items from category." Right here, here are three of my favorite shirts. And then, do you know the app? What's it called Hero? I think it's called Hero. Klarna bought it. Mm. It's like a, vi- I think it's like a video help desk, but it's gotcha. also got this function which allows you to do these sort of videos. Right. So the the example I saw was literally they they had a video of people in stores, like their staff members, who would just show off two or three different products and talk about why they liked them, and that was it. And this this video was just sat on the website. So I kind of use that inspiration. I'm thinking, well, can we get someone on that category page to say, here are three of my favorite of this category. Here's why. And then you could probably list them below as well. Yeah. And just, and if you, if you did that on the most popular products, I think you'd, I think you'd see a decent bump in conversion on that. 100%. Yeah. We, you know, we were beyond forums, obviously, but we were, uh, we very much bought into that, that theory too, at job form and we're trying to put videos and more more places on our site where we think it's going to be helpful, including our, our FAQ where, you know, every single one of those questions can be turned into a, yeah. and that that's a great resource. And that can not only live on our YouTube where it's sort of helpful in its own right, but they can be embedded directly on our FAQ page or, you know, extra support for our blogs or any one of our help guides. And we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of help guides at this point, you know, they, they're all great material for turning into a video as well. So yeah, and anyone can do this on any scale. That's why it's it still works when when you're thinking of you know improving customer clicks or on a form or something as simple as that. Just including a video is just a great a great add on that it doesn't take as much effort as you you fear that it might. You know you don't need anything incredibly well produced, but just having some some bit of a touch point or an iPhone camera filming how yeah. you know how how you do X Y Z is yeah it's just a great step. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm going through a process of of creating a lot of video for my business to just create almost like the, all the processes, you know, all the day to day tasks that need to get done for various aspects of the business. You know, editing the podcast, doing outreach for the podcast, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it so much easier just to record a quick one minute, two minute video explaining, you know, individual steps. So you know, outreach for the podcast might have three videos each a minute long one covers you know reaching out to people on linkedin one covers you know where to find the messages to use some people and then one follows one is about the kind of documentation process behind it to make sure we know who's been contacted and all that and it just yeah. it's so much, it's so much quicker for me to produce than doing a written document and right. it's just so, it's it's so much clearer for the person receiving it as well yeah uh, it's it's a gold mine. That's an absolute gold mine. Yeah, and then you you kind of hit on it. It it is quick. <laughs> you know, I think once you can get over the hurdle or feel some some comfort, you know, actually you know being on camera or being in front of the lens, yeah, the process is a lot faster. Well, I'd, I'd say test it with some internal stuff, right? Because then then you then you don't care so much how you right. look and how you present. Test it out in some internal processes, and then do the public, you know, the customer facing. Yeah. Videos once you've got a bit more confident with it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mistakes. I know we've kind of talked about a few mistakes brands make, but are there any, is there anything else we haven't covered 
So obviously clarity is the big one, getting that right. So yeah, any any other mistakes? Yeah, I think I think we've touched on a lot, but definitely the the order that you're asking questions, not asking questions or asking questions that that are completely unnecessary. And you'll know what those are. I think when particularly with e-commerce forms or forms that are collecting collecting payment, I think the, the mistakes are maybe the stakes are higher and the mistakes are a little bit graver, but you know, paying attention to the design, including pictures with your your products. That's something that we see a lot actually, where people are listing out multiple products, but they don't have photos next to them or high quality photos. You know, those are those are simple things, just a little little extra um, effort to make sure that again, focusing back on that first thing, clarity is extremely important. So kind of whatever you're doing in your form design to, to make sure it's clear, whether it's instructions, pictures, the order, the submit button, and the design, everything, just clarity is the is sort of the, the north north star. Yeah. So don't, don't treat it as something that you can just, you know, whip up quickly in five minutes and and send out to people, you know, actually spend a bit of time, make sure that you're happy that every question is relevant. And even if it is relevant, you know, explaining it if if you think people need that explanation. Um, 100%. Obviously, obviously, everyone knows why you need email address if you're, you know, creating an order. But like I said, you know, if, you, if you're asking for a birthday, you know, you might be able to say, well, you know, we sell alcoholic products, so we have to have mm-hmm. your birthday to be able to process this order. No, people can lie, obviously, but at least you've got that. You've got that <laughs> qualification, right? For sure. Yeah. So, what about out, out of the box thinking, right? What's you know a lot of a lot of people use forms for surveys, basically, don't they? Surveys, maybe inquiry forms. How else are you seeing people use JotForm? I'm a great person to ask for this because I personally use JotForm for just about everything. I'll, I'll say, you know, even outside of work, I've I've found ways to use it for. We're hosting a housewarming party. I've used it for our RSVP. I use it to log my workouts, which I've actually found to be pretty effective because we have a great mobile forms app that I can pull up at any time, input the, the information I need kind of from wherever I am. That works perfectly. I've used it to find addresses when we were sending and when we were involved involved in our wedding planning. Yeah, I didn't have anyone's address. Use job form for that. I've used it to recruit people for softball outside of work. You know, it's my my outside of work usage is uses of job form are, are really, really wide. But that's because it's it's a utility tool that can be used in in a million different ways. So even at work, we're on a marketing department, we're using it to funnel requests. Anytime we have to vote on something really quickly, you know, if, if I, I need 20 people to to weigh in on, I don't know, even where we're going to go for lunch on, on Friday, sometime I could just drop it in Slack and try to, you know, get everyone's inputs or, or, you know, see what they do in an email response. But if I have a form, I get the very precise information that I'm looking for exactly where I want it. And it's kind of funneled into the same spot. So it does make it a lot easier. Have you used it for trivia nights, you know, where the questions are asked in a form and, you know, the answers are are received and I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so versatile. It can be used in so many different ways that, yeah, I think these, a lot of these qualify as out of the box, out of the box ways, I'd say. But yeah, there there are a lot out there for sure. What about like business wise? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't um, think? Uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, are you seeing any brands brands themselves use forms for their customers in in ways that you either hadn't expected or or just is a bit unusual and not many people do it? 
Yeah, I think for from a brand standpoint, you know, contests are are always a really kind of fascinating way to to use Jotform. Or you'll see a lot of you'll you'll see kind of pulling it back into e-commerce. You'll see e-commerce brands use use it for contests, major voting. So I talked about voting as a as something that we've done for you know lunch orders, but voting is a is a big Jotform use case, or could be a really high visible Jotform use case when when other big brands are using it. Kind of a fun, a fun story about this. The, there was a famous hippopotamus at the Cincinnati Zoo, which is a zoo in the, the US, but there was a celebrity hippopotamus named Fiona, born and born a few years ago. But just a couple weeks ago, her, she had a new baby brother, which was met with a lot of media fanfare, including CNN and NPR and all these major, major media outlets. And then the Cincinnati Zoo wanted to figure out a way to, name this this hippo so that first they a submission form using jaw form to collect suggestions and then they narrowed it down to two and then they used a voting form to to vote between the two finalists for for names and they collected you know two hundred thousand submissions in this process but i just thought it was remarkably cool and we were you know very excited to be a part of this just a teeny part of this this great story but you know sometimes jaw form is just used in in very very cool ways and uh, yeah but i think that once you're because it's easy to create a form and you kind of realize anytime you need information from for anything whether it's internally or through a customer it's it's just it's very simple to ask using job form and you know kind of the the yeah the ways will, will sort of come to you once you once you have it yeah i i mean the way i've used it a lot is you kind of standard survey stuff but it always tends to be that my, my most common usage of forms probably is people who haven't purchased from a business mm. so reaching out to you know whenever i start with a new client we get an email out to that database of people who've been signed up for you know maybe 30 days maybe 14 but haven't yet made a purchase and it's just you know what is the number one reason you haven't made, made a purchase yet and then we tend to stick it on the end of abandoned cart flows so for the people who get you know maybe third email fourth email which just says We'd, we'd just love to get some feedback from you. Uh, if you could just click here and ask, uh, answer a question. And then we've got that constant source of, of feedback coming in. And, you know, it, it does drip in because you're relying on people who've never made a purchase opening the fourth <laughs> abandoned cart email. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, you don't get massive conversion rates, but it's still interesting some of the feedback you get because every now and again, you'll get like a gem. Of, of a response in there, which which makes you go off and think about things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a great example. Cool. Have you got any other tools that you recommend you use? Yeah. Let me rephrase yeah. that. <laughs> Have you got any yeah, other yeah. tools that you'd, that you'd recommend listeners? You know, from from our standpoint, from marketing tools that, that we find really great, obviously, uh, Trello and Asana, we we kind of use both, even though they're they're competing products. We we kind of we yeah. use them both internally. You know, obviously anything that gives you great analytics or you know anything that you you can track or or automate is is PubSpot's amazing. That's another one that we use internally. Yeah, I think uh, just some quick and dirty free ones. You know, I think people overlook Google Trends, but Google mm -hmm. Trends is a fantastic tool to understand what what people are searching for or some really uh, great competitive analysis that that you can kind of gain some insights especially over a long period of time not very specific data but great kind of over overarching stuff answer the public i don't know if you're familiar with that one but... yeah i think so 
It, it gives you, if you type in a single keyword, it gives you a, a number of ways that people are searching for it or specific ways that people are including it in, in questions on the web, which is just amazing for figuring out why why people are using a certain product or what they're searching for with it, or maybe some additional competitive information and kind of kind of all those things. Yeah, I, I think, I don't, know, I don't even know. What are, what are some of your favorites? So I used, well, no, I, I do use Trello. I use it for A-B testing. Mm. So all, all tests will run through that. But uh, for my own kind of to-do list and project management, I use ClickUp. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, they're I'm, good. I'm starting to really like because you can you can have those separate boards like you do in Trello, but you do also have that one view for everything. And I have that one view filtered by due date. And the only stuff that has a due date is stuff that's due this week, which means that I've got all these different boards. I might have loads of tasks in all of them, but a lot of those tasks are things that are probably not that important because I've I've not got round to them, but they can just sit there because I can then just go through each of those boards, tag one or two th- things each week, and those then go into my everything board, which is my my weekly to-do list pretty much. Wow. So really like like using for that. I'm always using things like Hotjar, anything with a heat map, heat map, score yeah. map, Google Analytics. Actually, one really cool app. Yeah, one really cool one that I've started using recently is Freedom, which hmm. is a browser blocker. Uh-huh. So, I, And in fact, so Freedom, if you set it up correctly, which I don't think I have, I can block all the websites and apps on all devices on my like you know like my laptop my desktop and my phone at the same time wow so you know if i want to stay off whatsapp for example i'm not just blocking it on my desktop and then just picking up my phone a few minutes later and checking it i can block it on my phone at the same time so that's that is proving really useful for for just keeping focused yeah it, yeah that's... you know like every now and again i'll just finish a task and what I really need to be doing is getting onto the next one and mm-hmm. just having like a couple of hours of focused work. But when you finish a task, it's so tempting to just pick up your phone or, or check email or something. Will, will it do it based on, on time or can you set parameters based on you know, your working hours or, or something like that? Or I could probably t- tell you right now. <laughs> you can schedule sessions. Uh-huh. I'd have to log in to do it, apparently. Yeah, so I haven't done that. I normally just click on it and tell it to block for 45 minutes or something. Yeah, you can schedule sessions. I've not tried that, so I don't know exactly how it works. I, I imagine that you can do it for your calendar, right? Whether it does, mm-hmm. oh, I think it does do repeating. Yeah, it does. I have seen that. So yeah, you can say every day between nine a.m. and eleven a.m. Just block everything. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, that's what I've been using recently, which is really really good. Wow, good rack. That's great. Awesome. Well, it's been great stuff. Like I said, I, I use quite a lot of forms, always using them for feedback and things. So it's uh, it's great to get some tips on how to how to optimize them. If anyone wants to get in touch, what's the best way of doing that? Well, you can email me directly. I'm just chat at jotform.com. You can read my, my blog posts, our blog at jotform.com slash blog, or just feel free to add me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of chat reads out there, but I, I generally show up in the, the first or second spot. So yeah, I'd love to, love to hear from everyone and feel free to reach out. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Chad. Thanks, all. Thanks for having me. Don't create obstacles. This is going to be key if you want a highly converting form. And an obstacle doesn't necessarily mean an extra field. Obstacles can be something that causes the respondent to ask why. Why do you need this particular piece of information from me? If you're going to be asking customers for feedback and you you suddenly ask for their date of birth or gender, that's probably going to get a why. 
Make sure you're only asking for data that makes sense, is contextual, and that you're actually going to use. Uh, it's no surprise that longer forms convert worse, but what, what might surprise you is that a lot of companies just don't use half the data they collect. So think your forms through. Make sure you have a valid reason for everything you're asking. If you'd like to hear more from Chad, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to will at customersuclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Jem Burrow with me, and we're going to be talking about how the marketing landscape has been changing over the last year or so. But until then, keep those customers clicking.